Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm Rob Scheinberg, Rabbi of United Synagogue of Hoboken, New Jersey. And today we're studying Psachim Daf Lamed, Psachim pages 30 A and B. And today's page makes reference to a number of halachic principles that are fundamental to how observant Jews keep kosher for Pesach today. We'll look especially at two of these principles. First, we'll address the question about whether there's any quantity of chametz that is so minute that it's essentially nullified by the non-chametz in which it is mixed. Then we'll look at the principles for how utensils get koshered. That is, under what circumstances can chametz utensils get the chametz purged out of them so that they can be used on Pesach. Along the way, we'll see some examples of ethical considerations of the rabbis. The rabbis' concern that merchants should set their prices fairly, and also a rabbi's concern not to publicly contradict his colleague when on his colleague's turf. So, we begin with a question of the minimum quantity of chametz that constitutes a violation of the commandment to avoid chametz on Pesach. At the end of the previous page, we read that two Amoraim, Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish, both held that the standard is one of notein ta'am, the standard of imparting a taste. So, if a small bit of chametz falls into food that's otherwise kosher for Pesach, but in a small enough quantity that it will not have any effect on the taste, then the chametz would be nullified, and the mixture would not be considered to be in violation. This standard of notein ta'am, of imparting a taste, is in fact the general standard for inadvertent mixtures of forbidden and permitted foods in kashrut for the rest of the year. It's also the standard for inadvertent mixtures of meat and dairy products in the system of kashrut. Normally, we estimate that if the forbidden food is less than one-sixtieth of the quantity of the permitted food, then the forbidden food falls below this criterion of imparting a taste. So the forbidden food is mevutal, it is nullified, and then the mixture is permitted. Though, of course, the situation is a whole lot more complicated than I just implied, and there are numerous exceptions, as this is one of the more complicated areas of halakha. But it appears that this is how Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish would understand the system of kashrut for Pesach, that chametz would be forbidden, when it is in sufficient quantity to impart a taste to the mixture. But there are two other Amoraim, Rav and Shmuel, who hold to a stricter standard, which is the standard of bimashahu, or the standard of, quote-unquote, whatsoever. Any chametz whatsoever in a mixture is forbidden on Pesach, and nullification does not apply. So now at the top of Daf Lamed, Amud Aleph, page 30a, we read, Amarava hilcheta chametz bizmano, Rava said, the halacha is as follows. Chametz during Pesach, whether it's in a homogeneous mixture or a heterogeneous mixture, is forbidden in any quantity whatsoever. Bimashahu, just as Rav had taught. And when chametz is not actually forbidden, 
like during the few hours before Chame, before Pesach actually begins or after Pesach is over. Whatever this mixture of chametz and non-chametz is, it is for fully permitted, as Rabbi Shimon had said. Now we may remember from previous pages that Rabbi Shimon appears not to believe in any prohibition on chametz she'avar alav ha-Pesach. Once Pesach is over, all chametz is permitted again, even though there are other authorities who held that chametz that had been owned by a non-Jew on Pesach was still forbidden after Pesach. Now, this standard of bimashahu is what makes kashrut for Pesach function very differently and much more strictly than kashrut for the rest of the year. Because during the rest of the year, bitul, or nullification, is at least sometimes possible when there are mixtures of forbidden and permitted foods. But during Pesach, even the most minute quantity of chametz is considered to be forbidden. Now, let's skip down a few lines and then continue with the second major halachic issue on this page, the issue of utensils on Pesach. Amar Rav, k'derot pesach yishaberu. Rav said, pots must be broken on Pesach, or rather, presumably right before Pesach. The implication is, the pots that one uses for the rest of the year have chametz absorbed into their walls. So they're certainly forbidden for use during Pesach itself. But they're also going to be forbidden for use after Pesach because the chametz had been, had been absorbed into the pots was owned by a Jew during Pesach. And according to Rav, chametz that was owned by a Jew during Pesach is forbidden even after Pesach. So therefore, don't let this happen. Smash your chametz pots before Pesach and buy yourself a new set of pots after Pesach. Now, from our contemporary perspective, this may sound like unusual advice and expensive advice, and so it sounded at that time as well. Rav's contemporary Shmuel disagreed. Shmuel Amar lo yishaberu, aval mashahiluhu lacharzmano vavid baho ben bimino ben shalobimino. Shmuel said, you don't need to break your chametz pots. Just wait till after Pesach, with the assumption that the next time you cook in those pots, the chametz that has been absorbed into the pot will have been nullified because it's now, whatever you're making is now a ta'arovet, a mixture of chametz and non-chametz, for which the standards are much more lenient and then the, the what you, whatever you're cooking will be permitted. Shmuel has uh, an anecdote that demonstrates how he supports this view. Damar Shmuel, lahanahu demazvane kanade, ashru zavine akananaychi, Shmuel used to tell the people who sold pottery, you had better charge fair prices after Pesach, or else I'll teach the law in accordance with Rabbi Shimon, that the chametz owned by a Jew on Pesach is not forbidden after Pesach. Shmuel was concerned that in an environment where everyone was smashing their pots before Pesach, and everyone was purchasing new pots right after Pesach, the potters would have a captive market, and they might be tempted to engage in some price gouging, by charging artificially inflated prices for the pots. So Shmuel warns them, I'm keeping an eye on you, and if you charge higher prices, I'll let everyone know that chametz owned by a Jew on Pesach is not actually prohibited. Shmuel is trying to ensure that unscrupulous business people do not take unfair advantage of those who are trying to observe the halacha. Then the Gemara asks, Lidrosh leho so why didn't Shmuel just teach this? If Shmuel actually agreed with Rabbi Shimon, why didn't he just say so, rather than using this as a threat against these unscrupulous ceramics merchants? 
And the answer is, Atre de Rav Hava. Well, because it was Rav's home turf. Rav was the Mara de Atra, the rabbi of that place, and Shmuel may disagree with Rav, but it's prudent and polite and right for Shmuel to keep quiet about that when he's on Rav's turf, unless he thinks that an ethical breach is taking place, which is why he warns the pottery merchants that they had better charge fair prices. <clears throat> Later, there's an implication that Rav held that the pots needed to be smashed, even though some other utensils do not need to be smashed, with the implication that it is relevant what kind of materials these utensils are made out of. Ceramics are absorbent, so if they've been used with chametz, there's no way to get the chametz out again. However, with other materials, like examples on this page, ovens and knives, there is a way to make them like new again, or to use a contemporary analogy, there's a method to restore these utensils to their factory preset conditions, so that it's as if they never came in contact with chametz in the first place, and then they can be used on Pesach. So, we have a little story. Amarle Ravina Ravashi, Hani Sakine, Bepasra, Heche Avdinan Laho. Ravina asked Ravashi, what do you do with your knives on Pesach? Amarle Lididi Khadata Ka Avdinan. Ravashi responded, I make new knives. Amarle Tinachmardev Sharle Delaif Sharle Mai. And Ravina responds essentially, that's wonderful that you can afford to do that, to make new knives every year for Pesach. But what if you couldn't afford to make new knives each year? Then what would you do about knives on Pesach? And Ravashi now responds with a clarification. Amarle Ana Kein Chadata Kamina. When I said I make new knives, I meant I make my knives like new, or I take my old knives, but I return them to factory preset conditions so that they're like new. And how do I do this? Kataihu Batina Ufarzilahu Benura Bahadar Ma Ailana Likataihu Barotrin. I put the handle in some in clay, and then I put the metal part in a flame, and then I put the handle in boiling water. Though admittedly, this is overkill, because the law is you simply need to boil both the blade and the handle in a rishon, in a vessel that contains water which is actively boiling. Amar Ravuna Bereidi Rav Yoshua it's parur magilo barotchin ubikli rishon kasavar kibolo kach polto. Then Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yoshua, said, A wooden pot ladle, how do you make that fit for use on Pesach? Well, you boil it in a vessel, in a klivishon that is actively boiling. As he held that the principle here is, and these are probably the most famous words on this entire page, kibolo kach polto. As it absorbs, so it emits. Or in other words, the steps that you take to return this utensil to its original conditions, getting it to be cleansed of all the chametz that has been absorbed into it, is by doing a variation of the process by which the chametz got absorbed into it. In this principle, kibol o kach polto, as it absorbs, so it emits. This is the principle that's used by the observant Jewish community today in preparing any utensils for Pesach or reversing the process of, of any utensils that got something absorbed into them that you don't want to be absorbed into them. So in brief, those utensils that are used with boiling water are kashered with boiling water. Those utensils that are used directly in a flame are kashered directly in a flame. 
This most important principle with regard to the kashrut of utensils is stated just a couple of times in the Talmud, one of which is right here on Psachim Daf Lamed. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.